on the wrestling podcast about nothing you've got questions brian and brian got answers it's our annual ama episode we solicited your input online and three special contributors will win cash and prizes Brian, I think uh, you might get a noise ordinance from your neighbors. I think they just screaming. I think they just banged on their ceiling, our floor. Well, we'll make it quick. Plus, your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell them, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 182, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett, a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, Currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now, he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He has one half of the bouncers. He was almost the Ring of Honor world champion, the brawler, Brian Malonis. I was robbed. I was robbed. You're framed? No, I was robbed. I got got kicked in the pee-pee. Really? Yeah. Right in the ding-ding. How you feeling now? You know, he's, you know, a little, little bruised. Do you want to uh, help I'll t- me out? I'll take a look later. All right, cool. <laughs> Joining us, Brian, is the owner, operator, head trainer of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, as well as the owner, operator, promoter, booker of Chaotic Wrestling. He is a permanent host of the wrestling podcast about nothing, the firebrand, Brian Fury. Hey, fellas. How are we doing? It's a three-man booth now. It's a bright and early Sunday morning here. Yeah, here in the Fury abode once again. Indeed. Thank you. I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it down. Yeah, that's okay. All right. Hopefully the wife keeps it down in the kitchen. <laughs> that's what she should be, right? <laughs> <laughs> after you, that's, that's what you're saying, not me. I would never say such a thing. She, I, bare, uh, she barefoot in there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> She's wearing the feety pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to ask you guys some questions right off the bat, but uh, let's get the listeners doing that, right? Because we got a special edition of the wrestling podcast about nothing. It was right one year ago, Brian Malonis. We did the first WPAN AMA. That long ago? Yeah, it was like wow. oh, October 1st of last year. You might have been asking a question at that point, Brian Fury. October 1st? <laughs> I was getting ready for the wedding. You guys remember the wedding? Oh. <laughs> no. I was, you know, I was... Uh, I was there. I was booked. Were you? Crack it. How, was, was, how was the actual ceremony, Mike? Oh, man. Emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least I had the common decency to tell our friend that I, I had to be uh, in Baltimore for a Ring of Honor, had a... Had a actual commitment told him ahead of time i didn't tell him i was going to be there on the greatest moment of his life and then not actually be there and then have the nerve to complain about desserts right is that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it the first outing with the kid and, and we got there a little late but they did like the quickie ceremony i thought i wanted like a little swing low sweet chariot the whole thing the, oh, so the, they, the book of jordan or whatever they the hell were respectful about. of their guest time okay started on time finished about 15 minutes later done yeah you usually you know you, you don't have the common decency to show up on time to anything it was the short short version <laughs> yes do you yeah do you yeah good married kisser <laughs> I, I figured it'd be like a chaotic wrestling show you know traffic we're gonna start the show a little late you know people are getting in mm-hmm. they're still coming in the there door was, there was no traffic nobody was coming in the door except for you <laughs> it was red sox yankees that night you know? 
All right, so uh, we're not, we're trying to cut all this stuff out at the beginning. We're trying to get right to the meat, guys. It is not an AMA; it's an ABA. We put out the call this week to ask the Bryans anything. Brian Malonis, Brian Fieri here for you, and you guys uh, ask them questions. A couple of questions have got in there for me too, so that's all right. Very charitable. I, I didn't look at any of these prior to. I want want them to be fresh. Want to go fresh? Yes. <laughs> and also, Brian Malonis, the brawler. Made a little offer. Three listeners, three people who submitted questions, will earn the right to a free T-shirt and a signed 8x10. Is that correct? Indeed, yeah. You're going to cover cover the postage, though, right? I'm, um, I'm supplying the T-shirt and 8x10. Oh, you're uh, frantically searching for you doing the... Uh, immediately oh, uh, tried to reach through his wallet. <laughs> Short hives to deep pockets. That's what they call me. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, Mike. I wouldn't expect you to put out any any cash here <laughs> all right so let's get right into it with the questions aba ask the Bryans anything the first question is actually a question i've held for a few months now because it was asked by zeke dane famed new england wrestling photographer i love zeke at zeke dane and he sent this to me to ask you brian this is right before you went on your extended hiatus you can't just say brian wrestling podcast I, about nothing Brian Malonis. I'm, I'm looking at him. The people, get, they, the people can't they, tell. That camera's in here, at. right? <laughs> that camera's in here. I'm wearing my curtain jerker WPAN t shirt. And no, and no pants. I wish you'd put some pants on. Oh. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I couldn't find his wallet. It's a little warm in here. It's just, you know, just, and it's long. It, it covers his underwear, too, so you can't quite tell. Yeah. <laughs> I got to wear the double XL now. So. Oh, brother. So, Zeke Dane, he says. Knowing that virtually every wrestler, known or unknown, has at least some merchandise for sale, t-shirts, 8x10s, which we're giving away here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, at live events or online, and that these sales are a portion of the income they derive from wrestling, is it, in general, as to merchandise, a financial disadvantage to be a heel as opposed to a face? Do any wrestlers ever shy away from heel status because they may sell less product? I have been at shows where during intermission only faces are out on the floor at tables with product. Brian Fury, why don't you tackle this question? As a heel, is it a disadvantage in this financially? Day, in this day and age, I, I really don't think that it is. I think for a long time, uh, yes. I know for a while when I was a heel, I purposely didn't make or sell merchandise because I wanted to try to be as much of a heel as possible and it kind of i don't want to say backfired but it, it literally when the wrestling business kind of changed you still have to like pop the fans and, and do things in order to move up the ranks in certain places like a beyond wrestling or even a ring of honor wrestling so i had to kind of change that and then i figured if i could make merch and still sell some stuff while doing it yeah so i really don't think in this day and age that it really affects them that much as a heel are there heels these days in pro wrestling yeah <laughs> um, so I think it's to the point where take for instance like um, AEW and the character MJF everybody knows he's a heel they play along with it they they hate him they boo him they're into it but they know that he's not necessarily really like that way you mean they must have heard our uh, interview we did with him me and Brian Malonis <laughs> it's on, available on our YouTube it's one of the most popular uh, videos on our YouTube because people uh, go and listen to MJF shoot. Uh, well, we, we think he was shooting with us. Maybe he was just pulling the wool over our eyes and being Maybe. a nice guy. Did I, you see the video of him walking out of the AEW show this past week and knocking the hat off of a fan? <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's amazing. That was tremendous. I loved it. Bram Alonis, what's your take on this? Merchandise as a heel. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess it, I guess it could potentially hurt you, but you should have it. You should try to sell it, try to make money any way you can. Uh, again, I, I, I we live in a day and age where the curtain is completely pulled back, um, especially with social media and and how you how you really probably need to interact with people on social media. And again, when I watch Star Wars, I know that Harrison Ford is playing Han Solo. Doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the of the movie or anything like that. So, and then especially when you see just in general, the popularity of heel characters just in, just in pop culture, when you think of, uh, horror movie villains and Darth Vader and things like, like, like Disney villains, like Disney has, I mean, we talk a little Disney here, Brian Fury will appreciate that, but Disney Mm. villains in general, like was such an underutilized, uh, property for Ford, Walt Disney and, or for, for the Walt Disney company. And now like they have events and they have all sorts of villain merchandise and it flies off the shelves. And I went to an event a couple of years ago. It was uh, Unleash the Villains, it was called, at Hollywood Studios, and the park was at capacity for this thing. So just, I think, in general, bad guys, villains, whatever you want to call them, um, and pop culture have become popular. So I think I think the same thing has followed suit in wrestling. Heel fans. I remember seeing, like, you know, they had four horse- horsemen merchandise back in the 80s, and you see, like, heel fans at NWA shows. I know it's it's not a, a recent phenomenon. What, what about this thing to wrap this up with Zeke Dane? Has anybody, I know, Brian, you booked for Chaotic Wrestling. Brian Fury, you own Chaotic Wrestling. Has anyone ever balked on, like, turning heel or something like that due to uh, what you perceive as, like, possibly losing money? I've never had to deal with anything like that, no. Me either. If anything, I feel like people are always wanting to turn heel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but the, I mean, nobody, I, I, nobody actually wants to be like a true heel. Everybody wants to be the cool heel. The NWO sort of ruined that. But um, we talked about, I think, uh, either a couple, maybe a couple weeks ago, about like Matt Taven, yeah, um, and people really not liking him, and in a day and an age where like he he was actually a true heel, and people didn't like him. But we live in a day and an age where people take that as, you know, I know he's a bad guy, but I don't. I don't like him because he's a bad guy in wrestling. I just don't like him because he, you know, he's not a good wrestler, and you know, and it's like, no, you don't like him because you're not supposed to like him. That's but. why I always like X Pac Heat. I never understood <laughs> that whole terminology. It's like you, you don't like him. Okay, you don't like him. X Pac Heat never really sat well with me. How about you, Brian Fury? Yeah, I, was, I don't know. The term is so stupid to me. X Pac was the man, like the measuring stick. <laughs> yeah, what they say, what X Pac heat is go away heat. Like, yes. Like, whoa, whoa. like how can yeah. you? How do you quantify the difference between uh, you know being uh, into somebody as a heel and uh, having go away heat? Especially like like to use like that term on a, like a WWE type of guy who has more casual fans than any other wrestling promotion in the world. Like they don't like somebody because they're a heel because they're a bad guy like that's the way it works there i mean i guess you can almost compare that to like the the stuff with roman reigns um but to me if if somebody's sitting in their seat giving a reaction good or bad that's 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 a good thing uh you know the the opposite of love isn't hate the opposite of love is indifference and and if the fans are on their phones sitting on their hands not paying attention you know that's when you worry uh, yeah. if somebody's garnering a reaction you know, good or bad, I think that's a good thing. All right. We, we put a bunch of time into that one question. We got to get a bunch of questions to get through here. Uh, Zeke Dane, a good discussion. It was a, com- it was a complex question. Yeah. It was a great it, question. Definitely. I mean, he, he could earn a t shirt and sign photo for that question. So let's move on to Todd A. Prost from Facebook. He says, Well, let me just say that both Brian's are awesome people, both in and out of the ring. 
Wow. He definitely doesn't know you guys. Question for Brian Fury. Oh. What made Fury's final fight so special to you? Boy, that was like three, almost three years ago at this point, which is pretty wild to think about. Mm. You know, that was a, a, a really big deal for me at the time. You know, my body was hurting. I had a million and one things going on. I wasn't quite yet married yet. I didn't have, didn't own a promotion. So it was like I had a lot of goals and different things that I wanted to accomplish. And me just wrestling full time, there's no way in hell any of those things were going to happen. You know, I was sore, I was beat up wrestling three, four times a, a week and still working my job and everything else it was just it was time to bring that full-time wrestling to a close and at the time i really didn't think i was ever going to wrestle another match again it took two years before i wrestled one you know it was it was very emotional and everybody was there you guys were there and tears tears were flowing no, for nobody you. more 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 emotional than the playboy Jimmy James. <laughs> very true uh you know tears were were flowing uh from me when i was giving my speech and stuff afterwards my, my parents were there and they didn't really get to see me wrestle all too often a bunch of friends from high school and people throughout the years for, through my career like it was it was it was a big thing for me and, and i was very happy to be able to have that evening now you're having your Ric Flair TNA run right now, right? Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you got your Rolex from uh, Alex Arion, <laughs> yeah. and you're still going strong. <laughs> okay, Brian Malonis, question from Todd A. Prost uh, for you now. He says, I know Kingpin and Brawler are your nicknames. How did you get those nicknames? Uh, well, uh, Kingpin, I was just looking for something, and Jamie, uh, the owner of Chaotic at the time, big like comic book nerd or whatever, and apparently I have some similar physical stature to the kingpin i guess and uh, spider-man so that's how that sort of came about uh and then brawler uh was given to me by uh, uh by joey mercury he works behind the scenes in ring of honor and they just thought it worked really well with bruiser you know beer city bruiser brawler malonis bruiser and brawler the bouncers like it just worked it just worked well and uh uh, I will say I was maybe a little apprehensive at first because I just was so married to being the kingpin for so long, but uh, I, I've, I, I've come to like it. I, I, I think it works well. And it's like your tribute to the Boston Brawler, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, who's not one of my trainers. No, I, he's I not one of your trainers. No, he was gone already. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm sure... Uh, if uh, you know, I, I mean, actually, I don't, I don't, I don't really know Jerry Bowser all that, all that well. But if he's like so many other guys, uh, I'm sure he's uh, him and Han about me stealing his gimmick or whatever. <laughs> You're gonna get a cease and desist pretty soon, I would perhaps. Assume. All right, thank you, Todd A. Prost. Moving on to OK Fabe on Twitter. He is at OK Fabe. His question for both of you guys, I think. What would you say is the biggest strength about the pro wrestling industry in 2019 versus the past and the biggest weakness in 2019 versus the past? Brian Fury, the biggest strength about the pro wrestling industry in 2019. Of course, he's going to give me the negative. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you both. Um, man, it's so popular and cool again. Like wrestling is <sighs> the amount of casual people that come up to me that know that I'm involved in wrestling that talk to me and ask me questions about like AEW, for instance, and it's only like three weeks on TV. Oh, Jim Ross, Jericho, they're doing this other thing, blah, blah, blah. And like people that I didn't even know knew or talked or cared about wrestling are talking about this new product. Like it's reminding me of what it was like way back when, like right before I started wrestling, when wrestling was everywhere and everybody was kind of talking about it. I think it's on the verge of really, really exploding and becoming like huge again. And I think 
because of that, there's so many opportunities and there's so much for people in the business to do that. Like right now, like it is, it is awesome. It yeah, is, my my sister, I don't think she's ever asked me a wrestling question, but I think she was trying to watch uh, the week it was on True TV. She was trying to watch Impractical Jokers and AEW was on. Since she asked me, like, what is this promotion AEW? Like, she's never cared about wrestling never said anything to me about wrestling <laughs> How dare they uh, just asked me about AEW practical jokers yeah they they they'd, uh, simulcast it that week because there was a baseball playoff game yes so uh Brian Malonis the biggest strength of the industry in 2019 i think i think it's you know I, I don't it's not even something directly related to wrestling it's just the advent of technology but it's the accessibility uh to it and that, and that, that to me is behind the, you know when companies get on large cable networks like WWE and now AEW that's one thing but uh, really the explosion of like the indies and some other promotions is due to the accessibility uh, I think of a promotion like a Beyond Wrestling and then on the west coast a promotion like PWG and fans all over the country you know can watch clips or watch shows and not necessarily have to be in that area and when i think about like us coming up in chaotic wrestling or, or you with wfa the only fans that really had awareness to those brands were the fans that lived you know in the areas that we ran shows uh, so it's just such a different world and um, the fact that anybody anywhere all over the world can see anything from anywhere if you put it out on youtube or internet wrestling tv or things like that uh you know, it's it's pretty awesome. The accessibility and the options, too, right? Just the number of different promotions you can... I mean, if you don't want to be a WWE guy, there's so many other places you can go to find your wrestling. You should tell all the people that bitch about WWE that you don't have to watch. You can still watch <laughs> wrestling and not watch it. <laughs> Maybe you could do that on Twitter. <laughs> I've tried. They don't okay. listen. They don't, they don't listen? listen. No. All right. The biggest weakness in 2019 versus the past, Brian Fury. So I don't... With the amount of different promotions and contracts coming up, and a lot of top talent, um, kind of Casanova, kind of getting locked up. <laughs> Not the top talent. Okay, a lot of different top talent kind of getting locked up into certain promotions. I, I don't want to say that it waters down or hurts some of the independents, but people that are forced to be getting bigger spots in independent companies at an earlier state versus working underneath a lot and kind of getting the experience they need to become top guys on independence. It's kind of forcing people to jump further ahead a little bit before they're ready. And I think, I don't I don't think it hurts independent products, but you can see a little bit of a difference if you really know what you're looking at and know what you're looking for in, in that aspect. What do you think, Brian Malonis, for the biggest weakness of 2019? I mean, to me, it's it's one of the things that actually has kind of made it become popular, but it's the, the style. You know, I think about... Brian, you, you actively wrestled for 16, 17 Yeah, it was like 17 years. years. Uh, I've wrestled. I'm coming up on 18 uh, here in like another month or so uh, since I started training. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys from this generation that are still wrestling 16, 17, 18 years from now. It's it's the style. The the, the bumps on your head and, your, and high on your neck uh, and the stiff shots and the bumps on the apron and all the dives to the floor this takes a physical toll i mean you think of you don't think of like hulk hogan working the most grueling professional wrestling style of all time yet hulk hogan has fake hips fake knees <laughs> like and then i think of the guys who are uh, on all these shows every weekend and they're diving to the floor they're bumping on the apron they're getting dumped on their head stiff shot city <laughs> like you know it's i think i think the style is uh, while i get it and i guess this is probably like an old school sort of 
take, and there are, I'm sure, uh, some young wrestlers who would hear this and roll their eyes and maybe call me a dinosaur in my thinking of some sort. But to me, there's just not going to be the longevity of, of careers that you see from uh, – I, I see some probably some top indie guys out there right now that I'll outlast, uh, you know. Well, that's downer, isn't it, Brian Fury? No, it's it's reality. It's it's the way the business has changed. Yeah, I mean, we're taking more risks, and it's kind of you know you kind of almost have to, but you don't. Like you can once you get better, you understand how to work smarter and take maybe one of those big risks rather than seven or eight in a match. Like so, it's just kind of the way things are. You think people have to just because the fact that the business is exposed that they have to make people think, wow, oh, he's really hurt. Is that kind of part no, of it? You have to do something at a certain level to be able to get people's attention and get that buzz. For better or worse in this day and age, it's a Twitter gift world. And if you're not really known and you can get a couple of Twitter gifts out there and people start sharing it and, oh, who's this guy or what's going on? And then all of a sudden, oh, you're the guy that does that move that YSR in this gift. Then that's how your career starts to grow and bloom you know, people have made careers off of it you know you look at like trevor lee or what's his name cameron grimes you know he did that catch the crossbody backflip thing first time i saw that i was like blown away like it was so cool and then all of a sudden he's starting to get booked to all these other places and now he's in nxt like that's kind of the way of the world a little bit right now how about ace romero he just got signed to mm-hmm. impact wrestling with that uh gif we interviewed him a couple years back about the gif where he punts the guy out of the ring now he's signed yeah, I mean, that's just the world. I, th- I think of a guy like Dijak, who, ironically, is probably wrestling more than he ever has. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, have, I haven't talked to Dijak in quite some time, but I would imagine his body feels a whole hell of a lot better right now than it did when he was, you know, three, four times a week diving to the wood floor of some building. And, oh, yeah, you De- know. definitely. <laughs> okay, Fave has a follow up question. I don't know if maybe we covered this. He asks, one common problem you both see happen a lot in pro wrestling today. To me, it's the the lack of uh, professionalism, the lack of actually seeing it as a business. There's this whole and and, and I and hey, I you said that on Facebook about this not long ago. Yeah, and I, and I, and, I, and I get it like the whole like uh, you know, pro wrestling art form and things like that, but uh, <laughs> it's a business. The the point of doing pro wrestling while it's it's fun and all that, it's to ultimately try to like it's try to be a job, try to make money doing it but uh so there, there, there's that aspect of it and the, and then the aspect that like I, the thing i talked about was just and i hear it so friggin' often like guy takes a booking with a smaller promotion uh and then a bigger independent promotion i use that, you know quotation marks offers him a, a, a spot same and, day right yeah and then they cancel on the place that they had told they were going to be there for weeks and months to go take this one off so the way i look at it just again from professionalism standpoint you gave somebody your word you're going to be there now if you're going to work for wwe aew ring of honor impact somebody like that i totally get that and every promoter in the country should understand that but if you're going to work for independent promotion b versus independent promotion a it's like a lateral move yeah keep your word because there's a couple couple things here uh one independent promotion a lines you up for five or six bookings now you're going to work this one spot, so now you've lost your spot in five or six shows. Go do this one, and that promotion just needed a spot to fill you, and they're not going to use you. Two, you're actually telling the promotion that you're filling in for, hey, if I get something better coming along, I'm going to do the same to you. 
So uh, to me, it's it's just um, really dumb and really lack of professionalism altogether. Why don't you teach these guys professionalism, Brian Fury? Says who? What do you mean? <laughs> There's no names being dropped there anyway. Okay. What's your one, one common problem you see a lot in pro wrestling today? For me, you know, as a trainer, I'm going to go along the lines of like realism and really making some of this stuff seem more like an actual fight being like registering everything that happens to you even if something as little as like a single punch to the stomach like i'm gonna cut somebody right off and never acknowledge it um you know realism as far as making something seem a little more gritty and a little bit more of a fight rather than just something that's rehearsed uh there's no reason that you still can't do all these crazy flippy spots and whatever else like i'm not against that stuff but i am against making every single little thing not mean something and i think every single little thing should mean something i i <laughs> give me off on a little tangent here but <laughs> spanish fly beautiful move right when it's performed well but the fucking setup for that is the dumbest fakest thing in professional wrestling it's just like it's just like literally telling the crowd like hold on a second guys we got to set up this stunt real quick hold on you good you good okay now we're gonna go like tangent over <laughs> you're not a spanish fly fan i mean it's fucking beautiful like it's a beautiful move but the the amount of coordination it takes between two guys to set it up like i don't know how as a fan you can stay in the moment and stay lost in the moment when you're watching i mean it's not just spanish flies it's a, there's a lot of like top rope stuff where you just see guys for like 30 45 seconds just like not even trying to sell the fact that it's a fight, just literally coordinating and setting something up. Okay, Brian. So just side tangent. Two get off grizzled my, old get off crusty my, veterans. Get here. off my lawn. You stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, OK Fabe Connor, for the questions. Let's move on to Philip Similaris from the email. He says, "Of the three of you, which of you would look the best in a dress at the friendly tap?" <laughs> Weren't you in a dress at the front? No, no, no. This is before my time. This is before all of our times. Uh, chaotic Wrestling uh, was part of a skit. I was part of Chaotic Wrestling at that point. You were, but you were a piece of shit. So you know. I, I, I mean, like, I think it was like very beginning. Like this is this this happened like two thousand one, two thousand two, somewhere in there. Yeah, it was a skit on Raw where the acolyte or the uh, APA went to the Friendly Tap, which was uh, Tim White, the referee's bar in Providence, Rhode Island. They always did something at the Friendly Tap. Their place is always being renovated because they're always destroying the inside <laughs> of it. Uh, and this was, it was Drag Night or something like that at the Friendly Tap. Very it, different time and age. Uh, yes. I don't think they quite get away with this skit uh, yes, so nowadays. Three quarters of the Chaotic Wrestling roster were there. Uh, either in dresses or wearing makeup and various things that are, yeah, would the sensitivity wouldn't uh, allow this stuff to happen today. None of us were in uh, dresses in this skit, but which of us would look the best? Brian Fury. I mean, I shave my legs still, so oh. I mean, I wouldn't be adverse to uh, taking on that role if need be. I, I, don't, I don't shave my legs. Uh, but I, I do have a, a hell of a bum, if I, uh, mm. if I do say so myself. Mm. <laughs> so you, you're picking yourself? Of course. I'll pick you, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Uh, Crockett's <laughs> deepest fantasy is coming up. Here. Crockett's. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Maybe we'll get into that later. Crockett's, Crockett's past. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Philip Similaris. Thank you. Russ. Russ from Twitter. He's at Real Deal Russ. 
He says, favorite New England venue and why? Please include a good venue story. Favorite New England venue, Brian Malonis. Uh, I mean, it has to be I mean, one that's gets no longer no longer standing, but for sentimental reasons, uh, the PAV in Lowell, Massachusetts, Polish American Veterans Club, yeah, which I think Club. is now like a, it's like a Korean church or something along those lines. Yeah, it was it was a church. I don't know if it even is still a church, but yeah, I, I don't know. But that, I mean, just for all the, uh, I mean, I think of just all the kind of cool moments we we had there over the years. Uh, I mean, just to. We look for a quick story, but I'll I'll just go one of my one of my favorite favorite matches I ever had. There was against Prime Fury. We had was it False Count anywhere? Right, someone went out into the parking lot. Yeah, and I hit you with a canister of Pringles. That <laughs> <laughs> just went everywhere. But uh, yeah, I um, so that's a that's a fun story. I mean, maybe the funnest story of all is being assaulted by Tommaso Ciampa's father <laughs> um, at uh, at the <laughs> PAV after I attacked his brother, and him and his brother thought it was wise not to smarten their old man up that uh, that that we were going to be doing a spot and attacking him, and um, his father uh, took a couple swings at me. Uh, <laughs> Tried to get through a young Ilya Markopoulos, who for some reason we thought was a good idea to put a 14-year-old kid out as <laughs> security. security. Tommaso Champ was tied up in the rope, screaming, somebody call 911, and somebody called 911. <laughs> it was a wild scene. It was a scene, man. <laughs> so the PAV, how many think you could fit in there comfortably? I mean, comfortably, maybe 200. <laughs> And Maybe. how many do we put in there for the big shows like the Cold Furies? Over three hundred. Yeah, and it was literally the people, barricades. People in the front row could like we couldn't walk around the ring. Yeah, there were no dives on those Cold Furies, and people could like reach in the ring from their seat and like trip you if they wanted to. <laughs> you know, it was like it was like, a, it was like you know you know Beyond Wrestling has like the the no the fans like you know standing at ringside. Uh, Chaotic Wrestling was the originators of that while we were breaking fire code. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Fury, your favorite New England venue. Uh, Littleton Opera House, Littleton, New Hampshire. That's still New England, huh? It's, it's, it's up there, but it's still in New England. <laughs> it's not Canada. <laughs> yes. Okay. Stop hating on New Hampshire. Yeah, well, piece of trash. Uh, Littleton Opera House, by far the most beautiful venue in all of New England, and the uh, amount of different memories and stuff that it has there for me, including my very first match ever. Yeah. Uh, 20 years ago this month. Ooh. Um, against, Happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Against a one Justin Powers, who became Justin Shape or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, driving up there, I was originally supposed to referee for the evening, uh, as I was very early on in my training, only a couple months. And when I got there, Jeff Costa informed me I would be wrestling in my very first match. And and it happened, me versus Justin there. Also on that show, Jeff Costa was doing commentary for the event over the live microphone. Yeah. Uh, which which is very weird. You cheating bastard! Yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember like five minutes into our match, he's saying that this could be a main event in Chicago over the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Why Chicago? <laughs> uh, Chicago is a term like that means go home, like end the match. And Justin oh. like uh, ignored it and went another like four, like nine minutes total. And then he got yelled at by Rip in the back for about 20 minutes, like twice as long as the match went. So it, is it better to have that sprung on you or to know going in you're having a match? I think look, match. looking back on it, having it sprung on me was good because I would have thought about it that whole two and a half hour ride up there, like oh, nervous or whatever else. I think him just knowing when I got there like helped calm those nerves. So yeah. So Littleton Opera House, uh, you, we talked about it before, like backstage is a photo of... Gorgeous George. That was after they redid it. So originally that was in the front hallway 
along with some other historical photos uh, that were happened at the Lisbon Opera House. But Gorgeous George wrestled there, and you can see everybody in the crowd in suits and ties as they're watching. Like, pretty cool, pretty fantastic. Yeah. Ever have any aspirations of running there again? Hundred percent. I would love to. I mean, I've wrestled there for obviously for Jeff Costa and then for Steve Bradley and then again for Chaotic Wrestling, Jamie Jemikowski. So I would love to be able to run a show there. I think it'd be awesome. Goddamn expensive. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of those. I mean, that's that's such a place too. It was like I remember we were going up there. And I don't know if it was what it was like for Steve, but it was like diminishing returns every time we. Uh, every time we went up there, it was like a little less, a little less, a little less. And it feels like a place maybe you run once or twice during the summer, and that's about it. And then you come back the next year <laughs> once or twice. Yeah, Steve always had regular shows up there every six to eight weeks. And so he it would it'd be up and down a little bit. But you know those first like three shows there were completely sold out. Uh, from there, it kind of dipped a little bit. But yeah, it was... Those first shows, I mean, Steve ran his very first show up there at Lilton Opera House, and that was like one of those crazy, crazy nights. But yeah, that place was, when it was full, and those people up there believe, uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Hanging right on top of the ring, too. Yeah, that, the, that, the, uh, that balcony, balcony right, right over right the ring was really awesome, yeah. Jumped off of it once. Did you? Yeah, for, onto Alex Arion on a table. Oh my goodness. Hopefully not for 25 bucks. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, Russ. Let's move on to J.P. Peralt from Facebook. Are you making these names up? No, these are people, actual people, actual listeners of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing on our social media that ask questions. And remember, we're picking three of you guys to win T-shirts and signed photos. So J.P. Peralt says, I'm a Sam Adams guy. What are your favorite three Sam Adams varieties? Brian Fury. <laughs> oh boy, what, what what do they make? Summer summer ale? Is that one? <laughs> I, I don't know. I you know the deal here. Do you even know Brian Malonis? So I do like Sam Summer. Okay, I did try. I did try Sam uh, Sam Summer. I'm not. I, I I think the Oktoberfest one is like a pumpkin flavored one. Right? I don't know. I don't know. It's I think heavy, that predates the whole pumpkin spice it's thing. It's a but. heavier beer though, so I I probably wouldn't even try it. But I do like Sam Summer. I don't. I don't really get into Sam Adams a, a ton. Which is probably a bad New Englander for that. Mm. But uh, you know, I'll have to see what some of the other ones about it. Now that now that I've become aware and realized, like, oh, Sam Sam Summer was actually <laughs> quite nice. I will try some of the others that aren't so heavy, like a heavy dark beer, like a like an Oktoberfest. There is a Sam Adams light. There is, yeah. There but is. They, they don't make those other varieties of light. It's not like they don't make like Sam Summer light. Or no, like no, that. no. You're more of a light beer guy. Yeah, I mean, because they go they go down easy, and if you know, it depends on what your uh, goal of uh, drinking is that on that particular day. <laughs> I suppose it is. Are, are you an IPA person? I am not. Okay, I Broken Skull. Not. We have I'm some not. in the fridge. My broken, room, my roommate, my roommate Ricky is an IPA guy, and yeah, we found he found some in Andover, and there's there's some in the fridge. Yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not an, an IPA guy. I'm more of a more of a pilsner or ale sort of. Oh, thing. okay. You're more of a Miller Lite or Coors Light? Yeah, Miller Lite's fine. Miller Lite. All right. Let's move on. Thank you, JP, to John Morse, my best friend in the entire world. He is at J-O-N-S-U-P-R-M-N. He says, here's a question for you. Is the real reason Crockett wears black undies is that he's scared he'd poop his pants if a wrestler yelled at him? Well, I mean, knowing uh, you know, knowing Michael as well as we do, Brian Fury, Michael's afraid of everything. Oh, uh, God! Anything that mildly involves potential confrontation, 
Mike's palms get sweaty, his face gets red, and there may be uh, a trickle of pee-pee uh, coming out. And uh, Typically, sir- it's like one of those cartoons where you blink and it's like a shadow of dust that resembles Mike Crockett remaining there, but he's gone and the dust dissipates. <laughs> <laughs> like a shape in the wall, like hole in the wall. Like, <laughs> yes. <a> shape. <laughs> Sometimes you forget people hear this like... Why does John Morse know I wear black underwear? <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's, that was your original thought? Thing. Yes, that's that's that was like a revelation of yours. <laughs> uh, I wear it so you if, wear black undies all the time. No, 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 only on show days. What are you rocking? You got some tidy whities on right now. Uh, what am I wearing right now? I don't know. No, not tidy whities. It's a, a boxer brief. Okay, okay. Only what wear- are they white. No. Nobody wears, always, white. Nobody wears white. They were when he bought them, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I only wore them uh, when I was refereeing in case the off chance that my pants would split, that I'd have black underneath. That's the only reason I ever wore them. And my pants never split. Yeah, Brian, nobody, Fe- Brian nobody would ever be able to tell either, right? No, no one would be able to tell. So that's the reason, John Morse. Thank you very much. Let's talk to Randall Keo or have him talk to us. He's at Randall Keo on Twitter, longtime listener, longtime fan of Chaotic Wrestling. Haven't seen him in a while. I miss him. So, Randall, get back to Chaotic Wrestling. Uh, in the meantime, here's his question Do ticket sales affect the reign of a title holder? Brian Fury. It's a solid question. You know, on the independent level, we always make the joke hey, thanks for the house, you know, <laughs> to, to, to the main event guy or to the champ. I kind of look at things, I know for chaotic wrestling, I look at it as a product as a whole. I think the champ and, and if there's a well-built main event, I think that would be a good indicator of ticket sales, not necessarily just the champ. Uh, obviously, I think the champ should be able to have quality matches against any type of opponent, um, but I think well-built storylines and whatnot are really what is should be held accountable most for ticket sales. Brian Lowe, you have a thought on this? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree, because uh, but I will say this uh, with with a, with a caveat: in my time, you know, in independent wrestling and specifically chaotic wrestling, there's only one guy I've ever seen single-handedly impact ticket sales, and that was Jimmy Preston when he was red hot with Barstool Sports, and I mean, that guy single-handedly like helped pack our buildings, um, which is funny to think about in this in this day and age. Uh, and we were building up to put the title on him, but he quit wrestling yeah. for a, for a, for a stretch but uh when he got when he got friggin red hot there with his t-shirt sales and he went viral and barstool sports and stuff i mean there was there were we had all sorts of new fans that had never come before who were coming just because uh, of jimmy preston so cut um, his promos in the car yeah but as a whole i i, I agree with with brian and independent wrestling it's um, it's the product as a whole. Put on consistently good and entertaining shows, and and fans will continue to come. I think, not irregardless, but regardless of who <laughs> is champion. Okay, this one oh, is. Can we t- stop for one second here? I, I don't know why I'm just noticing this. Why does Mike have like a fucking Bob Barker microphone over there? Yeah, look at the length. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> There's no girth, but uh, it's got some length. <laughs> it's a little bigger than yours. It's nothing to be ashamed of, Brian Malonis. You overcompensating for something? <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice microphone. <laughs> wow, look at the look at that. There's nothing wrong with it. Very interesting. Stop staring. <laughs> now my face is getting red. <laughs> palms oh, are sweating. Yeah, he's going to be gone now. He's <laughs> weak. Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Next question from Randall. He says, Brian's. When was the last receipt you received in the ring? Hmm. Hmm? That would require me being stiff if I got a receipt, you know? You're an old... Uh, 
Like work. I mean, yeah. I haven't yeah. been there. I can I can vouch for that. Having been in the ring with you many many times, Brian is uh, one of the lightest workers. I think. No, you know, maybe not one of the lightest, but like solid, sol- solid, and solid and safe. Yeah, safe. Like you never never felt like I had to take any extra um, precautions or anything like that. You know, like yeah. you do sometimes with guys. But you know, Brian Malone is world famous for his hair pulling, right? Oh my god, that's, <laughs> that's why. Good that's reason. why Brian, I'm not <laughs> stiff anymore. Am I? Am I? I'm, I mean, I'm not stiff uh, otherwise, right? No, you're good. <laughs> but that hair pull was a shoot, 100. percent Took the last hair out of your head. Oh my god, he just literally, and that would be like the running anybody that has long hair, like just hold on to his wrist as hard as you can and pull it towards your head when Malonis grabs your hair to pick you up, because he's just really doing it. And the reason why you're bald, why uh, why uh, handsome is bald. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone have rocked you recently, Brian Malonis? Um, not that I can, not that I can think of. I mean. I don't. I don't think it was a uh, was a receipt, but the only time I've probably ever been uh, not knocked out cold, but just like you know, you get you just hit get that spot hit on your chin, and you just get fucking boom, you just get knocked down. Um, was I? I, did, I took a bump over the top rope backwards, and this was like it was a four way. You were you in the match? It was Mav Chase me? Mav and Chase? No, I I was not. No way. Uh, so oh, you refused. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who the fourth was, but I took a bump over the top rope backwards, and as soon as I landed, Chase was gonna super kick me, and uh, just—I still have a chipped tooth from it, but just knocked me on my ass. Uh, and that's the only time that's ever happened to me, like in my in my career. Chase did that to you? No huh. way, not a chance. Well, you know, I was caught off guard because the super kick usually hit me somewhere in the in the nipple area. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, that well, was, I mean, that was years ago. That was years ago. I don't nothing nothing sticks out recently. I, I will say, you know, it, you know, and this is. <laughs> it's gonna sound more pompous than I'm intending it to be, but the better places you work, the better guys you work, the less that tends to happen. Gotcha. All right, one more question from Randall. He says, guys, was there ever a wrestler that neither of you trained, that you stepped to the ring with, that you realized as you got into the match, they know nothing? <laughs> and will you name them, if I can borrow a line from Julian Starr? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I don't, actually, I don't remember his name, but there was a time, uh, it was for WFA, it was in the Lutheran Opera House, it was against some... He was a Ring of Honor student at the time, trained by CM Punk, and I wish I could remember his name. He came up, and he was there just for one show, and Steve put me with him. Might have been the opener or, like, the second match. Just kind of, like, to see how he was or whatever. Uh, Scotty Slade, I believe, was our referee, and after about 30 seconds in there, I was like, oh, boy, (laughs) he is not quite where he said he was. He's not quite ready to do some of this stuff that he called with me and this is not gonna be good i remember at one point uh, i ducked down to give him a back body drop and he just jumped over me like he was doing a sunset flip and i stood up to like try to push him for a back body drop miss him completely he still just jumped over me and like took the back bump and i remember i was a regular obviously at the opera house and i just looked like up at the second deck and they just kind of like looked at me too like they were like oh, all right what are you gonna do and like yeah that one was a yeah that was i wish i could remember his name but yeah that one was not what goes through good. your mind the first thing when you realize oh this guy can't do it we have you changing everything in your head uh it's not like we called anything too super extravagant uh, you know at the time you know first time meeting somebody you kind of put together a couple things but it was like it's just okay you kind of ruffle through some of the stuff that you have put together in your head and 
what has the potential to like hurt him or hurt me because we called it thinking one thing and now it's another thing kind of just i know i gotta be extra precautious in those certain areas but for the most part it's like let's just kind of get through it and talk to him as much as possible so we remember stuff and keep it as simple as possible from there on out but yeah it's it's interesting Malonis, anything similar for you? I mean, you forget I've wrestled uh, both Tony Omega and Skunk O'Malley on <laughs> many, many occasions, and I think both of them fall into that uh, into that category quite nicely. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> Please don't kill me, Tony Omega. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Thank you for the questions there, Randall. Moving on to Kelsey. Super kicking it with Kelsey. She also has the podcast, the Two-Faced Wrestling Podcast, and she says for Malonis... I asked the Beer City Bruiser when I interviewed him how he liked tagging with you. He had a lot of nice things to say, so I'll ask you the same. How do you like tagging with the Bruiser? I love it. It's an asshole, it. right? No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, we, uh, you know, we, we, we think we just really, we really click in the ring, and I think we're pretty like-minded, and uh, I think our chemistry has been very, you know, very easy. You know, now we have been teaming for a couple of years, but really we only team in Ring of Honor. We've only had a handful of matches together outside of Ring of Honor. So, I mean, still pretty early in, in our team chemistry building, and but it's been it's been very easy and very natural, and, and you know, I find that we're on the same page all the time. I, I actually couldn't tell you right now of a time where we were on different pages in the ring or not thinking the same thing. So I love it. I think it's been a, a very easy and, uh, you know, smooth partnership. Favorite beer? Miller Lite. <laughs> Miller Lite. <laughs> what, what about the uh, Beer City Brew? Beer City Brew. Mike, uh, that's not a real beer. Oh, it's not? <laughs> I thought I saw those the labels. Oh, it's, it's a work, huh? All right. <laughs> And she says, I think I remember you saying you're a Bruins fan. If so, favorite current player. Hers is Marchand. Ah, Patrice Bergeron. Okay. Pasta knock. <laughs> Who? Pasta? Yeah. How's it going, guys? <laughs> 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 All right. That's from Kelsey. Kelsey, thank you very much for the question. She's like, she's like, uh, like Thanos. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> On to another podcast, our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast. Our friends, uh, Lil Jumrata and Michael Quinn, they do a podcast uh, on Mondays. So right after you're done with us, listening to them, they're doing a Q&A this week as well. Brian Malonis. Oh, boy. Awkwardly Joe enough. Jumrata's going to be hot about it. Oh, yeah. At OVP Podcast. Uh, check them out. Follow them. They uh, post a lot of great videos, so make sure to check them out. His questions, when will Crockett admit he's retired? <laughs> Never! <laughs> I feel like his wife would tell a very different story. Correct. Well, yeah. When she stops allowing him to leave the house once every seven months to have a night away on a Friday. People have uh, said they would welcome me back with open arms if I were to... Uh... Are you going to referee the at the Tony Rumble show coming up? When's that? Uh um, booked. Jeez. I'm booked that day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm surprised. It's in like your hometown. Oh, it's Wakefield. Yeah. Wakefield at the uh Elks Lodge. Yeah. There. I I thought for sure you might actually be on that show. I uh, haven't gotten the call yet. I could I could put in a word for you. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, uh, see? Come on. You're a piece of trash. The man helped you get into this business. We'll see what happens in twenty nineteen. With well, my 2019 is career. Oh, it's almost, almost over. It's almost over. <laughs> 2020, I mean. 2020, excuse me. Career. <laughs> when will Malonis officially adopt the Wine City Whaler nickname? <laughs> uh, when they uh, cut me a fat check. Who, OVP? Yeah, they they're, they got big money now, right? They are bringing in the cash. They're like, they're like a Conrad Thompson podcast these days. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. 
See what you can do about that, Joe. So that, that is our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Love those guys. Uh, moving on to Tim Sanat from Facebook. He says, Brian and Brian, you're both New Hampshire guys. Realistically, what would it take to see independent professional wrestling redevelop a lasting presence in the Granite State? Actually, currently working on it. Oh! Um, we're at a couple different places that we're talking to. Um, it's just dealing with the commission and then... A lot of towns in New Hampshire, you have to go through the town boards. And one town that we talked to, everybody was on board except for like one of the people. And I'm in good with uh, Steve Boucher from the New Hampshire Commission. And he sent a personal email to this person, but he hasn't budged yet. So it's just, it's it will happen uh, more than likely in 2020. It's just a matter of going through all the steps and processes of making it happen. Yeah. And you dealt with it, Brian Melores, when you ran your show this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, um, you know, Steve's great, so easy to work with. But I mean, just in general, because and because it, it's and it's not really be, like I said, Steve is great, and and the commission is really easy to to work with. But for somebody to run consistently and sustain and, and want to keep running, it's it's the encumbrances that get put in place, the additional cost uh, that you have to give the commission. You know, you have to pay for a promoter's license. You have to pay them a part of your gate. You have to pay for professional wrestling licenses for all the talent. Like These are all additional costs. And for an uh, independent wrestling show with, that has a tight budget already um, and that's trying to make money, it, you know, if you're adding you know, four, five, six hundred dollars in expenses to what it would cost to run over the border in Massachusetts, that's a difference between a profitable night and, and a loss. So I think until that fully goes away, like while, you know, and, and, and I don't know what your guy's plan is, but I, I just don't foresee anybody running like a, like a regular promotion in New Hampshire until some of those those things are removed. I mean, if you run often enough, you kind of, uh, those costs kind of spread out over a bunch of shows. Well, it's the, li- not that the bad, licenses right? and promoter uh, license do, but not... The wrestler licenses? Yeah, that's what I mean. The wrestler, wrestler license last year. Promoter license is per show. Oh, uh, is it? Yeah. And, then, and then you have and to then you do a, a certain gate. percentage of the gate. So it's a matter of, you want to try to set a couple dates in a row in a certain town so that way you can build the town and make it more profitable every time you're there. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's it's a process, and so as a business move, it's good because you got to weigh things out and figure things out. Like so, it, it's it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of what towns and when. It's um, it is a work in progress, one hundred percent. So you think Chaotic Wrestling will have a lasting presence in the Grand State as Tim Sonata is hoping? I I would love more than nothing. I would love that more than nothing. Yes. Okay. I, I, I can tell you that I won't be promoting any more shows in the state of New Hampshire. You will not? I will not, no. Really? No, so I'm retired from the promoting game. Well, we talked about Astromania 2 as a possibility. This is not on the table? Not for me. I think I think it's on the table for uh, Liberty States Wrestling, probably. But uh, Although they have ceased operations now, is that... Yeah. So, uh, have I your mean, people call my people, Malonis. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> wow. Sure, sure. But I, I, I'm, I'm, reti- I'm announcing my retirement right now. The breaking news... Wow. You know, maybe I'm Mike, not retiring. Maybe but you Mike. Are. Maybe Mike. You could add a uh, breaking news uh, thing right here. Ah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, I am officially retired from the promoting game. Wow, that is yeah. a little surprising. Is it though? <laughs> well, uh, there's pizza. There's good pizza got, that I night. Lo- I got lots of stuff on my my plate <sighs> right now. The promoting God, aspect is just not in the cards for me. I'm happy if I get leads to pass them on to our good friend Brian Fury here. Gladly. 
Yeah, I saw him in the crowd at Astromania, kind of like, you know, he had a tape measure out, checking the <laughs> building out, ready to steal it from you. You saw me in the crowd because you got there after I did. He <laughs> was a personal guest of mine. It was in the luxury box, you know. It was, a, it was a heck of a day, Brian Fury. Okay, let's move on. Thank you, Tim. Stephen Page, longtime listener, good pal, my sworn enemy, though. He says, favorite pizza topping and favorite pizza place. Favorite pizza topping, Brian Fury. I'm I'm a uh, I'm a cheese man, cheese pizza. <laughs> but you hate cheese. If I get a slice of pizza, I'll get a pepperoni. But if I buy a whole pie, it's usually just cheese. What a boring piece of garbage. <laughs> um, and there's like different ways of me looking at favorite pizza place. If I'm looking at like chain, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a Papa Gino's guy. Love me some Papa. That's Gino's. a New England thing, I think. Right? Yeah, love me some Papa Gino's. Uh, local place here in. in uh, Salem, New Hampshire is um, Balducci's. 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 Some nice uh, wood-fired pizza. You, Brian Malonis, you're an expert in this field. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably have some pizza today. Uh, uh, I'm a pepperoni and mushroom guy. Love a good mushroom. love a good pepperoni and mushroom pizza. <laughs> you know, my favorite was this was this place around the corner from us, Paisanos. Ah, Paisano. I always take care of my uh, Paisanos, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I we ordered from the other night, and it wasn't as good as, as it normally is. And they very, burned your coat. I was very <laughs> yes, they did. I was very I was very disappointed. The I got kicked out because uh, they didn't see me tip, <laughs> and I was trying to take it out and put the same tip back in. Just so they saw, you know, I want them to know I right, tipped them. Right, right. But uh, <laughs> you know, they they thought I was stealing from them. But uh, they're going downhill over there. Yeah, but there's a place in uh, there's a place in in Derry. It's a brewery called Kelson, mm-hmm. and uh, their pizza is. Very, very good. Very good pizza. Very, very good. They also have uh, very delicious soft pretzels with some uh, cinnamon butter as well. So, oh Jesus! And, and 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 it's a brewery, Mike. So you should go. You should go there with the missus. Maybe I'll check it out. Go have a nice. Go have a nice uh, craft brew and uh, some some good pizza. You invited me. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> let's double date. Okay, there. You do. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, what about a, a chain place? Um. I don't know. Can I can I say this? This is Papa, I think Papa John's probably. Papa John's is that okay to say, or is that like a? Is that, is that, is that, <laughs> oh yeah, that's is that, is that on the contraband list now? Where because we live in a society where we can't uh, visit certain restaurants. We'll bleep that. We'll bleep that out. Thank you. All right. Uh, another question <laughs> from Steve, and actually from me. He says, "I'm sure you haven't watched this." But one ref in AEW sells everything. Like he's oh. actually on the receiving end of the move. Bryce, I know Bryce. <laughs> What's your thoughts on what the ref's job is? I believe it's to be there, but not really be there and be authoritative when the situation needs to be. And refs in AEW don't call the legal guy when a tag partner is double teaming right in front of them. Am I being overly critical, or should I just relax? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that uh, Bryce is the, is the name that came to mind right away. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen. All of this AEW stuff. I've seen some of the first show. That's all I've seen, really. I mean, I used to be really critical about it, and I you weren't the, a fan of the whole Ruffin show. I, I was not a fan of the whole Ruffin show. Just selling and like whoa, big big hands. But I mean, I've I've softened my stance a little bit on that stuff. I haven't seen this, Stephen, but. I big, mean, big surprise. Crockett hasn't seen uh, current wrestling. Yeah, I can't product. believe you haven't seen AEW. Some of it's a little hokey, but 
then again, wrestling these days can be. You've never seen Bryce hokey. Rimsburg? What do you mean? Oh. I've, no, I've seen it. I've oh, seen okay. it. I've seen Broad Rimsburg. strokes here. Yes. Oh, wrestling these days can be pretty hokey. He doesn't watch the fucking product. <laughs> Gonna get me hot, Crockett. You He's don't good. watch it. You're, you're the old man that hates wrestling nowadays that you don't watch the product. Stop. <laughs> Fury's getting upset. <laughs> uh, my general rule is if you're watching the referee, if the referee grabs your attention, it's too much because the referee's not supposed to be the one grabbing your attention in the ring. It should be the wrestlers that are grabbing your attention. If the referee is doing something that's taking your eyes off the action in the ring, maybe it's a little too much. That's what I'll say about that. <laughs> there you go. Firmly on the teetering on the on the line. <laughs> I know Bryce. I like Bryce. I think he's a good referee. I hate that he sells anything at all. Never mind to the level that he sells it. He's actually toned it down a little bit on AEW, if you can believe that. Uh, if this guy's only seen him there, and he st- still thinks he's selling, you should watch some of his stuff in Chikara or other places where he's way over the top with it. But the uh, the video of him with the human tornado? Oh, that old one? Yeah, when he's like doing the... He's doing the, the dance with him, basically? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Ravensburg, he's a good guy. Uh, James Malonis. Who? Oh. Jimmy James Malonis, I guess. He is at double J underscore Malonis on Twitter. He says, why is at Crocsocks keeping the playboy off the show? I mean, answer the man. Well, I think what happened is we asked him to make a choice. It was us, the wrestling podcast about nothing, or was, uh, what is the other name of the other show? The MMA show. Oh, a man uh, walks into an iron bar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he made his decision. <laughs> no, and now he's going to live with this. <laughs> he made his bed. Now he's just sleeping. <laughs> <in it. laughs> so then he went on the MMA podcast that was a part of BDA radio and they went away. So that's it. <laughs> you, you, two people. My, Mike Crockett's keeping off the podcast. Uh, Jimmy Malonis and Mark Sherman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with good reason. <laughs> so uh, Playboy, deal with it. Wow, in your face. <laughs> okay, Picture Dave. He is at Picture underscore Dave on Instagram. I love checking Dave out on Instagram, Brian Fury. Who is your favorite and least favorite opponent you have wrestled against? And actually, ironically, Jay Uliano had the exact same question. Your favorite and least favorite opponents and why? Brian Malonis, we'll start with you. Favorite opponent. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I guess it's going to sound like pandering of this man right here. Brian Fury is pretty pretty high up on that. Uh, if he wasn't here, it'd be Ivar. But since you're here, Brian Fury, he'll say he you. Didn't say I was there. I said I'm pretty high up there. You, you're allowed to have a couple that you're, you know. Yeah, you're- I mean, and I've literally said this to him numerous times. I, I well, we've talked about how I was very grateful that at a WWE tryout we got to wrestle each other because yep. it was just very easy. Uh, Ivar, yes, that that definitely one of my uh, one of my favorite opponents. I mean, and, and, and they might be, I don't know if they're looking for like a ring of honor answer, uh, but I would say the Briscoes are uh, absolute blast to wrestle. Uh, least favorite, uh, probably by a mile, Arch Kincaid. He sucked and everything he did hurt and just terrible, no redeemable qualities about his in-ring work. Jesus. Here we go. Brian Fury. <laughs> uh, you come across like people you have like really good chemistry with and you end up... Certain people you work with lots and lots and lots. And for me, there's a couple different people. You know, there was uh, Mikazi, uh, Julian Starr, Eddie Edwards. I think those three are people that I've wrestled more than most anybody else and, and that I had, like, amazing chemistry with. Malonis was the best big man that I ever wrestled. 
Uh, I, Todd, I guess you could say Todd was a big man, but he wasn't really. I didn't remember. He was really, like two sixty. Yeah, I didn't really look time. at him as, <laughs> as like like a, a big man, you know. So like, but I, you know, when we had a, numerous triple threats together, when you look back, it's funny. Like the, the three of us, so those were all good. But I mean, those three. The, um, I think of at least three, by the way, triple threats with the three of yeah. us. <laughs> and then, uh, a ladder match, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then least favorite. For some reason, I never had good chemistry on the couple different times I wrestled uh, Antonio Thomas or Thomas Santel. For whatever reason, any time that we wrestled each other, and there was you know a decent amount of times, it just didn't seem to click or, or flow. It's not something that, it wasn't anything with either one of us. I just, sometimes just styles don't mesh well. You don't have good chemistry, and whatever reason, it, it felt like that. Whenever him and I got in the ring together, it's fu- it's funny how that happens. If you ever listen to like Steve Austin talk on his podcast, he always talked about that, like with the Undertaker, and how they just never had good matches together, never could get on the same page, never just gelled from a. So it's it's funny how you could have two really really good workers work together, and it, it just the chemistry is just. Not there. All right. Well, thank you, Picture Dave and Jay, for the question there. Next, we got the mayor of Nilbog. I think mayor of Nilbog. He is at PCH Nilbog. He's got two questions. First one, what is your favorite junk food? Brian Fury. Oh, boy. Um, That's tough to say. Uh, I don't. It's funny. I don't. Is he looking for like snacks? Type of thing. I don't know. My wife makes a mean cookie bar. I I, I like those a lot. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I was disappointed when I walked in. And there weren't any. Um, also, like I do plain Hershey's bar, and I dip it in peanut butter. Like I don't like my like, like the commercial. I'll take a spoon, put it in the peanut butter, and wipe the peanut butter right onto the uh, Hershey's bar. Delicious. Really? Way better than like a Reese's. Yeah, and that's really all I would. I don't really eat a lot of like things along those lines i go like you know when i get fat it's usually like fast food pizza stuff like that and it's never like junk food really i mean they're both junk food but you know what i mean brian malonis i'm gonna speak right to mike crockett's heart right here yeah. chips and salsa baby oh, oh. Yeah. Hey, give me guac yeah 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 give me some chips salsa guac mm. no uh no onions in it though thank you no onions no i don't like the uh i don't like onion like no raw. onions daddy i don't like onions no raw onion for me but uh yeah, uh, speaking to my heart there. Probably going to have some today watching football after I have some pizza. <laughs> after? <laughs> and then uh, uh, wings, too. Uh, wings? Wings. Hmm. The, the best. Candy the best. bar. What's the best candy bar? Milky Way. Milky Way. Wow. Uh, simply, simply caramel. Really? The, wow, I didn't, re- I didn't really, uh, really see that coming. Milky Way. It's Yours, Brian? You knew, you knew that. You're a Milky Way guy too, aren't you? I am. I'm not. I'm not. We used to get the we simple. To, we used to get the simply caramels together. You fat <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Just a couple of guys getting the simply caramels together. <laughs> wow. Uh, probably what you call it. Oh, that's a good one too. Like, have you ever had a thingamajig? I did. It was only around for a brief period of time, but yeah, yeah it, was, it was like it was, the Kogo Krispies. Yeah, and like, pe- like, yeah, more little. Yeah, it was different. Am I at my nine to five job, which we've talked a little more openly about these days that I have? So I, I was very, like, somebody, you want to talk about disgusting candy bars? Somebody brought candy in, and in this candy bowl was mounds and paydays. And I'm like, I, 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 I enjoy both of them. <laughs> oh, God, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with you? Like, I, I took it as a personal insult that somebody would put a candy bowl <laughs> that I could potentially reach into, and it's nothing but paydays and mounds. Like, oh, <laughs> Peanuts, Disgusting. Right? It's gross. I like a good caramello. 
Oh, stretch. Especially like the, bi- the big ones, the the the, yeah, the jumbo size. Oh, I mean, Mike, there's nothing. There's nothing better than uh, Cadbury mini eggs. Yeah, that's I can't mean. beat that. Uh, well, yeah, you can with the Cadbury cream egg. So Ugh. no, I mean they're good. I like Cadbury cream eggs, but Cadbury mini eggs. How much? What are you What are you working with these days, Mike? Over there, what do you got for supply? <laughs> they have the autumn <laughs> ones out now. I still have the uh, they have autumn ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. The harvest mix. I got, I, got <laughs> way, I got way too excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on the bag I got from the Homewrecker podcast. Alex, you never shared with me again. I'll say you fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't come over in a long time. You, you have never come over. Me. You've literally never invited me to your home. We're I gonna have to do that. Like one of these I, weeks, I've been to his house. He's never invited me. I've I've only I've only met Max once. I met him a couple times. One of these weeks, we'll have a, we'll probably do the podcast over my place. Bring both you guys over. Oh, that's never. That's literally never going to happen. No, come on. Especially if, if what happened. So we're gonna I, I'll knock on wood. I won't totally reveal. But if what happened? What if, if if I'm successful at what I'm trying to do in my life right now? Uh, every recording will be at my house. Yeah, so we're, <laughs> we're gonna go over to Crockett's house and whisper the podcast. That'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to know fans. I, I got a question. Ask the fans anything. Can you tell? When Michael is recording from the confines of his house, and if so, let, let me know how you how you know, because <laughs> I think it's the most obvious thing in the world. But well, I mean, sometimes I just go to the car and record. That's what I did last week. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? That's what you get a portable recorder for. You can take it anywhere. But, but if he comes to my house and my children are, are upstairs sleeping. Fucking screams at the top of his lungs. You got those thick ceilings, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's keep the fun going uh, with the mayor of Nilbog. His second question. Have you ever gotten a stiffy in the ring? <laughs> what? <laughs> I can honestly say no, I have not. Never? No. Nope. No, but I've wrestled somebody who's <laughs> had one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I know exactly who you're talking he's, about. He's immortal. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Huge, huge hog. Gravy. <laughs> 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 so neither of you. No. No, no you've not. never gotten so excited no. that you're out there in the ring that you got excited? I body slammed the bushwhacker when you checked once. <laughs> That's me. Hey, I body, right? sla- I body slammed uh, bushwhacker Luke, and he didn't He didn't check me. <laughs> no? What's wrong with me? I don't know. <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, all right, Mayor of Nilbog, I couldn't get a... Uh, a, a, a rational. What about you? Never, never, never in the ring. Only afterwards. <laughs> well, only mm-hmm. when he rest, referees Brian Fury matches. Dan Bolio, I think that's how you pronounce it. I know he is. Uh, he's a regular at the chaotic shows nowadays. Yes, and he's been on. Uh, fella. He's been yeah. on Leo shows. Uh, Leo bringing all other sports. Why was the Kingpin not booked for the final Woburn show? I guess that would be to you, Brian Fury. Why was the Kingpin not booked for the final show at the Woburn Elks? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I don't, were, you, were you around for that? I don't remember if you were or not. I, I was. Mean, I sit at home. Yeah, it was it's one of those things. We, we'd love to book everybody all the time. It's just a, a storyline and everything else thing. Like We sit people all the time. Malonis is a is an attraction to our shows and so we think and I think that the final Woburn show was an attraction on its own. We didn't need to spend extra money. I mean Malonis is an expensive individual. He's a he's a big star nowadays. Sure. Television guy, Mike. You can't have one every show. You don't give him the discount? No, no oh. discount. This is oh, a business. Okay. Excuse business, me. Mike. <laughs> that was it, that was it, Brian Fury? Do I need to 
make something up at, uh, on top of the truth. <laughs> well, uh, also Brian Fury from Dan Bolio, you were you were retired for two years. Was there anything specifically that gave you the itch to return to the ring? Man, you you know you do something pretty much your it feels like your entire adult life, and all of a sudden it's gone. Like that itch is still there. Like you still want to do it. Like I, you hear stories all the time, but for me, like I had to teach myself how to just be at home on a weekend like it's weird i'm sure you know malonis will tell you like on a weekend he's not booked it's a little odd for him maybe it's different for him he has kids and stuff i don't have kids or anything so it was like i'm like all right well what do i do now stir crazy yeah. yeah it's 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 hard um and the fact that like i'm still around wrestling i'm still at the school i'm still at shows like you see it and i'm like oh man i that guy i'd like to wrestle that guy i think i could do some stuff with him it'd be cool you start to think of spots in your head and you're like oh well well, it's never gonna happen but like the itch is kind of there a little bit and it's just something that you still want to do that's why you see people in other sports like play a lot longer than they maybe should like when you're in a big professional sport like because they want Tom to Brady you're talking about <laughs> yeah he's really not performing well <laughs> at all um so it's like the want to was always there, and my body wasn't always necessarily cooperating, at least the time when I left, and when I was kind of able to, and everything else was together, yeah, I kind of just popped a couple things together and made it happen. Brian Malonis, how did you and the Bruiser become a tag team in ROH? And did you ever see yourself as a tag team wrestler? I mean, <laughs> I mean I've dabbled, I guess, in tag teams here and there on the, on the independents, but never had like a team that where we were traveling everywhere, so I guess I never really envisioned it until it kind of was thrown at us with ironically we wrestled uh, each other um i've told this on a couple podcasts recently i've probably told on this one before but we wrestled each other in lowell mass um uh, this is over two years ago now and from there people just kind of saw the easy chemistry and just saw us together in the ring together even though we were wrestling each other and was like oh shit like those guys could those guys look pretty good to <laughs> together uh and then um you know it was presented to me couple weeks really before before it happened it was a show in philadelphia uh where um you know ironically i thought you know i was being used sparingly by ring of honor here and there and i hadn't gotten a phone call in a while and it's just this is literally just how wrestling works i kind of had thought like well you know that was cool i got to do a few things i got to do some things on tv but it's just not in the cards probably not going to happen with a regular spot and then all of a sudden, Todd Sinclair called me up and said, "Hey, we need you in Philadelphia, uh, and uh, we got we got something for you," and and kind of took off from there. And it really was under the kind of idea that we're going to try this, and it's a show to show thing. Like if it's not working, it'll the plug will get pulled uh, very quickly. And now we're coming up on two years of it, so so cool. it worked out in the end, didn't it? It did. It did. And uh, the answer, if he ever saw himself as a tag team wrestler, he was a tag team whore. This man, many, <laughs> many, many tag team partners over the years. <laughs> Starting with Pistol Pete Malloy. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't know how many chaotic tag title reigns I've had, but probably with five or six different partners, I would assume. Well, uh, you've got your uh, one and only now with the Bruiser, right? Yes. All right, booking the territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Mike Mills, Harper Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week, Sundays and Thursdays. Check out mikemills.podbean.com. They have a question from their official Twitter account, at BTT underscore podcast. 
Uh, Jesus Christ. Who was is Fatty Patty? <laughs> and why did she get slaughtered and run over? Inquiring minds guts to know, he says. <laughs> slaughtered seems like an appropriate uh, <laughs> term. Uh, who, who's taking this one? I think I'm lost. Oh, you know, you weren't aware of this is before your time. Neither one of us had Fatty Patty in our in our car mic, so I think you got some explaining to do. Uh, has this been explained in the podcast? <laughs> it's been brought up. I don't know if it's it, been fully explained. Maybe it has. I don't know. Well, well, I mean, for those for new listeners, why don't you why don't you give them? Give Mike them Mills a- is obsessed with us for some reason. I don't I don't understand. It's it was <laughs> it was a little bit, and uh, you brought it to his attention privately, Brian Malona. So he's very uh, giddy about it. Um, so Fatty Patty is a uh, a blow up doll, a, a plus sized blow up doll, I think, right? Yes. And uh, you acquired this how was it? I, I wasn't me. Oh, it wasn't you? No, I didn't. Do we want to attribute this to someone who's possibly in a position uh, of visibility now in the wrestling business? Yeah, that's probably it's probably Ivar. I would think. It I imagine was. it was. Imagine it was pretty psycho who perpetrated this. Yes, yes, I know psycho <laughs> had a big part of it. Uh, I think he is at Redhead Psycho on Twitter. So give him your praise or scorn. Uh, but uh, they found this uh, because they all worked at the uh, the dildo factory together. Yes, we and did. And they had access to these kinds of things. So uh, you earlier, Brian Fury, uh, alluded to the fact that there there was this false narrative false with big quotation marks in my hands right now that i had uh relations with some women of uh larger stature what's wrong with that there's nothing wrong with it but for these guys it was like the biggest sin in the world you wouldn't say it was a sin that was just what you enjoyed and you refuse to admit it even still to this day (laughs) so what they did was they got this uh plus-sized doll and while it was in the ring they rummaged through my pockets <laughs> in my gear bag, got my car keys out. This is all psycho. I'm uh, 90% sure. Blew up this doll and strapped her into the passenger seat of my vehicle. I believe it was an SUV at the time, a Ford Explorer. And you know sold it, right, Mike? That would be the, the thing you're supposed to do, right? Want a rib? <laughs> you know sell it? Yes. So I, I want to have a little fun with it, though. Yeah, that's what it was fun. It was a little fun. So I, what I did is I, I got back to the the back, and I think I went for my keys, and I realized they weren't in the pocket they usually are. They're usually on my right, right, right where my right hand is, and they were where my left hand was. So I was like, something's up with my keys are back. They're not where they were. So I went out to the car, and I saw this this uh, doll, this monstrosity <laughs> in the uh, passenger seat, strapped in with the, the seat belts and everything into the car. So what I did was, I thought, let's have a little fun. I took it out of the car. I laid it on the ground underneath the car and ran over it with the tires, <laughs> popped it, put a nice tire track right across the torso, the ample torso of Fatty Patty, and uh, brought it inside and just sprawled it out in the middle of the locker room floor. Now, what did you do with her before you ran her over? What are you insinuating? <laughs> what's, Tarzan's, what's Tarzan's favorite word? Coitus? <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen. Brian Malonis, didn't Alle- happen. Allegedly. Didn't happen. Allegedly. Didn't happen. Allegedly. So, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I figured, show this is what you did. This is what you did. This is what's, and this is what's become of her. And, uh, 
It was all in fun. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I thought I'd be. Ni- I thought it'd be funny to have a nice tire track across this. Uh, of your life, you uh, <laughs> you did what you did, and then you discarded her like a piece of garbage. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, I'm starting to hate fucking the ABA. <laughs> Fatty Patty. Yeah. Okay. Book of the territory. Mike Mills. Angry. Go f yourself and uh, have a good day. Mike's getting upset. Jason Andrew Tiller. Jason Tiller on Facebook. He says, as a wrestler myself with a non-traditional body type, I've experienced some challenges. Gear makers want to gouge you. Promoters look at you, want to typecast you, and doubt your abilities in the ring. You get used as a monster heel only. People within the business tell you that your weight is holding you back. Hell, I was told once by a former WWF legend that I was a hell of a wrestler, but I wouldn't make it unless I lost 100 pounds. As a man with a similar body type... What challenges have you experienced and what have you done to overcome them to achieve the level of success you have? Do you still face challenges like this at the level of success you've achieved? Brian Fury. Oh, not okay. Brian Malos, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all those sort of uh, similar things. I mean, I think I've talked about it numerous times where you get the, well, we think you're good, but, you know, there's always the always the butt i talked about you know wrestling against uh max bauer at the wwe tryout that kofi got signed from and uh being the only ones we had to that had to take our shirts off when you kind of knew right there um and then i I think i've told the story too about me and ivar um at, at a tv and we were forced to take our shirts off and then afterwards you know get told that you know we're very good wow you guys had a great match but it was just just a different time in wrestling at that point. Let me just confirm: was the same guy both times that said that? Uh, yeah, that made us take our shirts off. Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, I he, I can just say who it is: it's Dean Malenko. Yeah, um, you know, Dean Malenko. I think is kind of a prick, but um, you know, do you want a total side story? I sure. Mean, I, I mean, uh, the couple, a couple times I've just my existence has annoyed Dean Malenko. One time, uh, they did like the three days like pay per view. Raw, SmackDown. SmackDown was in Manchester. I went to Gold's Gym in Manchester. Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko there. I'd seen them for two days. Didn't say a word to them. Just ignored. Uh, I always like to go in the sauna afterwards. I, I go in the sauna. They're there. I open the door and like, and they're sitting there. I didn't want to make it awkward and just close the door and walk away, especially for two guys that I going to see in a couple hours in a professional yeah. setting. So I just sat down at the other end of the sauna. Didn't say a word. And Dean Malenko just loud audible sigh and walked away i don't think i've ever told this story on the podcast before and then another time i was at um i was at tv dean malenko was a producer uh rick fuller was there rick fuller from wcw way back in the day and i'm standing next to rick we're kind of in the hallway at the fleet center uh td garden in boston and uh dean malenko stands right right in front of me uh, literally right in front of me, almost touching me, extends his hand to Rick, proceeds to have a five-minute conversation with Rick while he's uncomfortably close in front of me while never acknowledging uh, my presence. So four interactions with Dean Malenko, every one of them negative. So, a- so you, got, you, got, you got a bonus uh, negative Dean Malenko story. So Dean Malenko is with AEW now. So uh, in your negotiations, when your contract comes up, Brian Malonis, don't uh, <laughs> talk about uh, – well, Dean I respect Malenko. what he's done in the business. I respect his working ability, um, but honestly, I don't really give a shit what Dean Malenko thinks about me. <laughs> like, no offense. So, you're yeah, than us. I don't know. You still face challenges like this with yeah, your? I mean, uh, not so much anymore. I think I think 2019, uh, we've gotten back a little bit of wrestling of 
embracing different body types and, and things. So I think for, and I'm sorry, I don't remember remember the fellow's name. Jason here. Tiller. Jason. So for Jason, I think just, just keep persevering, keep doing what you can. And when you get opportunities to stand out and show you're different, do it. That's all you really, that's all you really can do to change people's perceptions. You this know? is trickling down to the independence too, where yeah. guys of all shapes and sizes are yeah, just do don't. Do. Yeah, don't. I mean, I mean, just again, when you get those opportunities to show that you're different, just capitalize on them. The road isn't going to be easy, but you know, stick with it. I mean, guys like Malonis and Ivar, proof of that. All right, Looney Franco. He is at Franco one seventy three. Says, asking for a friend. Fury, would you sign or train that piece of lard Malonis if you wanted to start today? And would you hire a piece of shit referee if you could do it again? Thanks. Asking for a friend. Who the hell is this clown? Looney Franco. Screw this freaking guy. I mean, I'm not. I mean, so we get that question before, and then you get this piece of shit who, you know, you know, immediately goes. I feel like was this like search and destroy here, Mike? Is this like, uh, <sighs> you know, you? Uh, I mean. Why did I really need to get attacked like this? I don't understand. Like, fuck this guy. Shit sandwich. I will feed him a shit sandwich. Wow. That's what this guy deserves. Calls you a piece of lard. I don't even think a piece of a lot. Can you have a piece of lard? No, it's a tub of lard, actually. Yeah, you can, a piece or, there's no piece of lard, fucking loony Franco. I'm going to take a shit into a sandwich, like a piece of bread, like two pieces of bread, like pumpernickel, so it's brown. Wow. And just put the sit bring it in there and force it right into his mouth. Maybe drizzle some diarrhea over it, too. <laughs> have him eat that shit sandwich. Fuck Looney Franco. Franco173 on Twitter. I, I think I know who this guy is, by the way. I think he's in the wrestling business. And uh, I won't... Maybe I should... I don't, I don't know. But F this guy. He, F he, he's Looney in the Franco. wrestling business. I, I think so. Oh, okay. I, I, I asked him. I asked him his name. And uh, he hasn't responded. So I don't know. Well, I guess, uh, I guess you can uh, eliminate somebody from the t-shirt drawing. Yes, Looney Franco is not getting a T-shirt. I don't think it'll fit over a, a piece of shit, a literal piece of shit. There's no arms because it's just a long piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck Looney Franco. Wow. Writing is shit because that's all he is is shit. Wow. So, Brian, you can answer the question. <laughs> Would you hire a, a piece of lard and a, a, a piece of shit referee? <laughs> we're, we're just pieces, but he's the whole shit. Brian Malonis, right? Agreed. Thank you. Oh, anger. Question, answer. Uh, well, I mean... Answer! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, J.P. Griffin from the Irish Whip Podcast. <sighs> okay, this one, this one's... Uh, Breathe. You all right over yeah. there? Breathe. Do you remember when... Do you remember when, like, Ric Flair, I think, lost the title and Bobby Heenan got, like, all, like... Like, yeah. flabbergasted and couldn't talk. That's what this reminds me of right now. They're not being fair to me, Brent. They're not being fair to Crockett. <laughs> uh, he said he'll ask Mike, which one of Brian Fury's retirement matches was your favorite to ref? <laughs> <sighs> Do you want to go off on this guy, Fury? <laughs> <laughs> J.P. Griffin's a giant. I, I can't go off on him. He's one of the nicest guys around, too. But well, I, I think you only refereed, I only refereed the first retirement match. You did. The actual Reti the, the retirement match. That was the, yeah, the <laughs> quote-unquote we're seeing from the... Yeah, the ones uh, comeback matches. Fans. Come on. Don't you guys know how this works? <laughs> <laughs> how many comebacks can you have? They can't miss you if you're never gone. <laughs> do you walk around among the people, or do you stay in the back and kind of keep the mystery? Uh, well, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'm not 
against coming out uh, and doing things if I need to, if I need to see the wife at the table or do something out and about, yeah, I'm not against going out, but yeah, for the most part, I stay out back. Keeping things in order, keeping the ship running. So, w- when's the next retirement match? And will you book me? I haven't decided uh, <laughs> when I'm going to retire again. Will you book this piece of shit again? Does he want a piece of shit ref? <laughs> As a follow-up. It depends. You're on an extended hiatus. I'll, have to, I'll ask uh, your wife if you're able to ref again. That would be nice. Uh, so the first retirement match, J.P. Griffin. That, that's the first. That's the uh, my answer there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're right over there? Yeah. You're going to make it through this. Oh, okay. This will help me out. We have a celebrity in our midst. Oh. Dominic Dijakovic. Oh. Dominic Dijakovic. The aforementioned. Uh, <laughs> via email. Asks a question for both Brian's. What students that you trained did you initially think had zero potential but actually ended up being a relative success story? For Brian Malonis and Brian Fury. Malonis, do you have anything in mind? That's a good... That's a really good... From a fellow celebrity, Dominic Djokovic. That's a really good question. Um, a fellow TV wrestler. Jeez, let me... I mean... Like a patron of yours. Yes. Let me let me think on this. This, <laughs> this, is, really, this is one I wish I had time to... Uh, to a national star, international star. To think about much like yourself. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. People like sorry, people I'm fired like, up. People like Sasha Banks and Kofi King. I mean, you know, with the minute they as walk, soon the as soon as we laid our <laughs> eyes, as eyes on them, laid eyes on yeah. You know, I, I you know, God, I would. Uh, I don't want them to hear this. <laughs> I really don't want them to hear this. But from where I thought, I thought what I thought he would be to what he what he became. I'll say Mark Sherman. Uh, the first time I ever saw Mark Sherman, and the amount of times I spent in the in the ring with him, uh, I never thought the guy would ever even have a match on a show. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I can see that. Uh, and he's, you know, he ended up do, he ended up doing pretty well for himself. And you know, if he had probably stuck with it a little longer to right now, you like, I guess you really never know what could have happened. But he was, I mean, you think about like merchandising and things like that too. Like, I mean, he was. A little ahead of the curve. At the forefront of yeah. it a couple of years ago, a few more than a few years ago now. But uh, so, yeah, I would say uh, the ones that I've trained, Sherman is probably the. You know, Sherman's the guy, the guy you, you saw him physically, you're like, okay, we can do something with this guy. And then in the ring, it took a long time to get, <laughs> right? Very long time. And then just, you know, sometimes you question the mentality. Um, but uh, he was able to get there. He was able to get there and carve out a nice little career on the independent uh, scene in New England for, for a stretch. All right, Brian Fury. It's a tough question because you're a trainee. To think that we have no like, like no idea that they're gonna do anything is tough because we can kind of tell right away, fairly quickly on how quick somebody, um, how much they're gonna give to it. You know how much they work out outside of it. You know how often they're at training. So in that sense, it's it's hard to decide. Uh, so I'll take it a little differently. Tony Lorcan is somebody that I thought would be okay, mm-hmm. but I never thought that he would get to where he's at. We all know Biff, as we all still call him. He's a pretty unassuming, yeah, plain-looking just guy, right? Like he doesn't like stand out in a crowd or or anything. And for him to kind of be where he's at, like that's, I think that's a lot better and farther off than i ever thought he would be able to be um so I'll, you know i'll take it from somebody that i i think we can always tell who has the potential and ability to kind of do something if they continue on the path that they're going but uh i think he's one of those guys that far exceeded uh as far as i thought he would go tireless worker yeah dude yeah 
far exceeded expectations on Twitter as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lately, he has. His Twitter yeah, sure. is amazing. And he's got to get rid of that underscore. His, his, I think his Twitter is at underscore Star Destroyer. It's, get rid of the... What? You, you can't have underscores. Why do you hate on Twitter names so much? Underscores. I mean, yours is a whole level of dog shit, but... <laughs> I'm stuck on shit today. There's so much shit in my system today. Uh, Get it out. There's a bathroom down the hall. (laughs) (laughs) Underscore Star Destroyer. You can't start with an underscore. Shawn Michaels for a little while had Shawn Michaels underscore. You can't. Get rid of your underscores. Everybody out there who has a Twitter, ditch your underscores. Everybody that has a Twitter, send it to Michael Crockett and he will approve or deny. Thank you. So you're going to say Oni Lorcan is your, your so, guy. Yeah, you're I mean, you're like, kind of twisting I'm, the I'm question I'm going to take bit. it a little bit differently and, 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 and twist it. Because like I said, it's it's there's few people that come in there that I'm like, man, this person has absolutely zero chance and ends up doing something more. Because doing it for this long, we have a good idea of like who's going to be able to make something of themselves. All right. That is the question from NXT's own Dominic Dijakovic. He has a... North American title match this Wednesday night. Yes, a three-way with uh, Keith Lee and the champion, Roderick Strong, right? Yes, yes, he does. I keep up on things, Brian Fury. You read read the sheets. I get it. There you go. (laughs) All right, the final question in the AB. We were going a while. We want to get make sure we get all these questions in. Everyone that submitted something, we want to make sure we have answers for people. This is from Bella Randolph, at Bella Randolph on Twitter. And I believe it's it's a her. She says... What is one thing about professional wrestling and your career that you wish you could change? Brian Fury. Uh, that it took place in a different timeline? <laughs> totally, totally, totally stole my answer. <laughs> uh, if I was born, or you know, like five, ten years earlier, or five, ten years later, I would have been in the, in the wheelhouse of some of the uh, the the high points of professional wrestling. Unfortunately, the bulk of my career took place when there was just WWE. One game in town. And they didn't want any independent wrestlers. They also didn't want anybody unless they were a college athlete that was at least 6'4", 250, 260 pounds. Uh, So when I was at my peak, I think um, I had the least amount of chance of being able to do something in the world of professional wrestling. So for me, I mean, that's not really a, a... I guess it's a, reg- a regret that I'm not of a different age, but yeah, so uh, technically that, yeah. What about pro wrestling would you change? Man, uh, right now, I can't really, it's awesome right now. I, I can't see too much of, that I think that I would want to change right now. I think um, going back to like maybe something I said earlier, like making some people look a little bit more at some realism and, and registering everything that goes on, but other than that, I, I, I love everything that's going on right now. All right, Brian Mullins, you're closing this one out. One thing about professional wrestling and your career you wish you could change. Who? Um, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, for my career, uh, and I don't know if I've ever shared this on this podcast, but I, I probably would have had an opportunity with Ring of Honor a number of years ago, uh, really a number of years ago at this point. I had uh, I'd wrestled um, Delirious on an independent show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd gotten a dark match. Um, there was interest. They liked me. They liked what I could do. And I was told to go to a one of the tryout camps, and I just refused. I was I'm not a mark. I'm not paying to get looked at. This is ridiculous. 
and I and I think about it now, and I wish I would have done it at that time. Like I truly wish I would have done it. You you never know what could have happened uh, if I just humbled myself enough to uh, to do that that at that time. Uh, who knows? But you know, I guess things happen as they're supposed to. But I look back at that and think like, well, I really messed that one up. One thing I could change about the professional wrestling business today, I, I think, is some of the stuff I talked about uh, earlier. One is the getting guys to understand you can work hard and do cool things without killing each other, without killing yourselves. You know, I don't want to see any, anybody end up in wheelchairs and things like that. Uh, the whole thing about wrestling is it's a business, and not only are you supposed to wrestle Friday night, but you're supposed to wrestle Saturday night and you're supposed to wrestle Sunday, and it's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be able to get up out of bed the next day and, and be able to continue doing it for a long period of time. Um, and I, I just don't see that mentality anymore. And then some of the professionalism. I wish some of the professionalism would um, come back to pro wrestling a bit. That's been lost. All right, well, this has been a, a great uh, Ask the Brian's Anything, and we have to pick our winners of a T-shirt and signed 8x10. Each, we got three of them. Do we know which T-shirt? Is it going to be the Curtain Jerker WPAN T-shirt? No, no, no. Uh, so I got, I got some in stock. One will be a Brawler Malona's shirt. One will be a Mega Malona's shirt, and one will be the beer shirt. And you don't get to choose. You'll, you know, I'll, I'll I'll select at random who which winner gets uh, gets what. All right, so we're putting the names of the Tumblr. Gentlemen, it's picking the first name. J.P. Peralt. All right. He's a Sam Adams guy, and now he's a Brian Malonis t-shirt guy. Oh, All he right. asked that, that beer question? Yes. Oh, brother. All right. <laughs> I want to put him back in the <laughs> tilt. Congrats. <laughs> All right. Next, coming up. Here we go. Bella Randolph, who asked the, just that question we just answered. So she, I believe it's a she, she gets a Brian Malonis t-shirt of uh, Brian's choosing and a signed 8 by 10 All right. And finally, one more pick here. Let's see. We're chosen at random. Tim Sinat. All He's right. the Granite State guy who wanted to uh, find out about wrestling in New Hampshire. So that's more your speed. All right, now theory. we're talking. So uh, let, we will follow up with you guys, or you can email us or message us on Twitter. That is Tim Sinat, that is Bella Randolph, and that is J.P. Peralt. We'll connect with you guys and make sure you get your T-shirt and free 8x10. Thanks so much for participating in the WPAN-ABA Ask the Bryans Anything. And we've been going long, guys. We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take of this week's episode. Your thoughts on the ABA. Use the hashtag WPAN or call the voicemail line 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. I talked about having all those questions to ask you guys. Uh, we don't have time to as ask you guys questions. Everything's going okay with both of you? Yep, we're good. Wonderful. You're good? Good. And Brian Malonis, <laughs> really quick, you're doing something on YouTube now. Brian Malonis, uh, Malonis on sports. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys, have, you, you do have probably listened to me rant on, uh, rant on sports for a long time. And uh, I just decided to spew my venom on the interwebs. Very quick, very quick watch. So uh, check it out on YouTube. It might be coming to other outlets as well. Yes, you've told me that YouTube is not the platform to be doing this on, that I should just upload them directly to the social media sites. So I'll do that from now yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, you have a 220 limit, and yours are like only like a minute and a half. Yeah, I'm trying to so. keep them like a minute, minute and a half, and I'll, I'm going to drop them on Tuesdays and Fridays. All right, so look for that uh, at Brian Malonis on Twitter, Brian Malonis on YouTube, Brian Malonis on Facebook, Malonis on sports. And we've talked about booking the territory and the 
uh, our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Greetings from Allentown with PW Peter Winson. Every Thursday, he drops a new episode where he takes one episode of wrestling television and breaks it down in ways you never thought possible. Greetings from Allentown. Check that podcast out. And the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. It's like not even a podcast anymore because they do a podcast separately for each pro wrestling show. Just check out rundownwrestling.com for all the multitudes of shows on the Rundown Wrestling Network. It is time for this week's promo about nothing. Before we get into that, you are hitting the highways, byways, and airways. Brian Malonis, crisscrossing the screen, of ours, plying your trade as a contractor, ring of honor wrestler. And you got dates. Yeah, we're winding down the year here. Can't can't believe what? that we're already. I mean, we're yeah, Mike. We're, it's almost November. Only two months up in the year. Crazy. So the yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go very quickly here. This Friday night, I'm coming to South Boston for UFO Wrestling Monsters Ball Wrestling. Franco Varga uh, should be a big match. Other big fella. I don't know too too much about him, but I'm probably gonna whoop his ass and. Clearly, I'm going over. You get to so. study your tape before the show. <laughs> yes, I, sh- I really should. Uh, and then, Mike, on November 2nd, I'll be heading to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for uh, Ring of Honor's The Experience Show, which right now, voting is open on ROHWrestling.com. And one of the matches you can vote for is who's going to challenge Villain Enterprises uh, for the six man, the World Six-Man Tag Team Championships. So I'd like it very much if everybody listening to this podcast right now could just pause for one moment, go to ROHWrestling.com, and go vote for myself, the beer city bruiser and then any third person uh that you'd like I, I seem to get a lot of keep getting a lot of responses that people are voting for us and jeff cobb oh. so i think that would be a very interesting team another interesting team i thought would be us and delirious i thought that would be a i don't even know if delirious drinks uh, alcohol uh, hmm. but uh but anyways, go to uh, ROHWrestling.com for that. The very next night, uh, we're heading to Columbus, Ohio, uh, home of Frankie Williams. Yes. For, <laughs> for uh, a Ring of Honor Unauthorized, uh, the craziest show of the year. Anybody can show up. Anything can happen. Hosted by Colt Cabana. I'm sure the, the bouncers will be doing something wild uh, in Columbus. Then on uh, November the 9th, I'm heading to Dallas, Texas for Ring of Honor. November the 10th. Uh, is is night two of Survival of the Fittest in San Antonio, and it's a, for the first time ever. Survival of the Fittest is a tag team tournament, oh. and the bouncers, ironically, something called Survival of the Fittest, will be <laughs> will be will be included in uh, in this. So for another potential uh, World Tag Team Championship shot down the line. Mike Mills, show up down there in Texas. Yes. Say hi to the brawler. I, th- I, I might see Mike Mills uh, in Dallas. There you so, go. Uh, and then uh, November 15th, uh, uh, somebody who's near and dear to your heart. Uh, I know there's a Tony, a Tony Rumble tribute show coming up here in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Rumble, somebody we've talked about, did an episode about. Oh, yeah. Very instrumental in the uh, history of New England pro wrestling. So uh, very happy and very pleased to be able to take part in that show on November 15th in Wakefield. And then uh, the big one. Final battle, December the 13th in Baltimore, Maryland. Don't know what we'll be doing yet, but the bouncers will be in attendance. 12-15, Ring of Honor's uh, final battle, Fallout, uh, TV taping in Philadelphia. And then ending the year, my last, well, I'm sure will be my last show of the year, uh, the return of the Millennium Wrestling Federation. The what? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, will, I will be taking part uh, in NWF and Melrose. We're in pantyhose yet? What date was that again? <laughs> December the 28th. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, the uh, from the ashes uh, arise the, the MWF, a uh, place that me and Brian Fury know very well, uh, so I'll be rounding out the year the with The executioner that. will be there. So, yeah, I mean, there you go. That's my year. 
Wow. And if you want to book the Kingpin uh, or, the, or the Brawler, he's got a few dates maybe open. I do. I'm not available the weekends of uh, November 16th or the 23rd, which is my birthday weekend, which is November 22nd, because uh, I'll be in Walt Disney World, my annual trek. Shh. Don't tell my kids. They don't know. We're surprising them. Brian wow. Malonis at Comcast.net. Awesome. Uh, email him or DM him on Twitter. I, f- I feel like a bad Malonis. dad, Brian. I feel like a bad dad. Kirsten was v- is very heartbroken over this. Kirsten's my daughter. She's seven. She's very heartbroken over this. She wasn't believing us for a while, but now believes us and gave us the, okay, I understand. And my <laughs> heart just broke. So if you're a parent out there listening to this, you can understand. But the payoff will be the excitement when we leave on her birthday. Right. So. Brian Fury. I didn't tell my wife that we were going either, and she's very sad. <laughs> You're bringing your kid too, right? <laughs> we are. <laughs> we leave on Halloween, so we're like counting down the days, my friend. Ten days away. Very excited. So you're hitting the highways and byways, Brian Fury. Yes. Crisscrossing the North Shore of Massachusetts and the Merrimack Valley. Yes. <laughs> and you've uh, got dates. November first, chaotic wrestling. Returns to Lawrence, Massachusetts. Very exciting time there. Carlito will be in attendance this time around. Really? Russell Christian Casanova. That's cool. Yeah, I see what you did there. A couple of the big matchups as well. And then Chaotic Wrestling, November 22nd, Breaking Point in Andover, Massachusetts. I saw this. You're coming back to the high school gym? Yes, we are. Andover High. Very excited about that. Um, we'll see what happens on the first to lead to the big show on the 22nd. And then the final show of Chaotic Wrestling is on December 13th. And I don't believe we've announced the venue for that yet, so I won't divulge that here. But yes. A new just, venue? No, uh, December. I would not new. A new old venue. Uh, but yeah, yeah. again, uh, once Woburn closed, we kind of had to scramble for some stuff. But yes, December the 13th is the final Chaotic Wrestling date of the year. And I will be in Disney World from. The 31st until the 8th. Very excited. Very exciting indeed. It is. When it are you going to start caring about the excitement World? in Mike's voice. <laughs> all right, let's get out of here, guys. First of all, the promo one nothing is from the year 1985. And back down in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler. Mr. Lawler. <laughs> and uh, we got a tag team making their debut in uh, the Memphis wrestling territory. They're called the Freedom Fighters. Okay. You might be aware of them. It's 1985. These guys are fresh from California, and their names, Steve Borden and Jim Helwig. Oh, boy. Okay. Let's take a look at the Freedom Fighters. Let's listen to the Freedom Fighters in this week's promo about nothing. Okay. We're going to be in the ring here in just a moment with our first opening bout, but right now we would like to welcome in couple of brand new faces to championship wrestling. A couple of guys you're going to get to know and know well, too. We're talking about the Freedom Fighters, Jim Helwig. Jim, glad to have you here, and Steve Borden. Steve, glad to have you guys here. This is your first time out here. We want to get a little background on you. Uh, Jim, I know you're from Atlanta, Georgia, right? That's right. Originally, I was out in California the last year and a half doing some wrestling out there. And how about uh, how about the record for the Freedom Fighters, uh, Steve? We've only lost two matches, but uh, neither one of those were really legitimate losses. We got hit over the head with chairs and tables and everything like that. You know, they got to do anything they can to beat us. <laughs> I so can I see I that. I don't consider them legitimate then. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's an awfully good record starting out for young fellas. I'm standing here. I have heard this, and I know I know the way. Jim is 285, and Steve is 260. 
Hey, I tell you, there's no question. You got the you got the physique for it. Let me ask you this: the important thing, because I know they'll kill me if I don't find out about it. How about are you guys uh, married? Uh, have families or what? No, we're single. We're looking forward You're to both single. Yeah, yeah, we're single. You hear that, girls? They're both single here. I want to get that. Uh, the girls out here in Nashville are kind of nice in the Mid-South, so we're looking forward to meeting them. You bet your life. we got some lovelies around here. You better believe it. We want to wish you guys uh, the very best of luck. Uh, I've been looking forward. I've heard a lot about you, and uh, we're interested in having. This is the tag team capital of the world. You're going to see some awfully tough guys. You'll see some more of those chairs and chains, too, uh, Steve. Well, we're ready for them this time. Okay. You ready to hit the ring? We're ready. Okay, let's get them up there. The Freedom Fighters. Davey, we're ready for the first time. The Freedom Fighters. And these guys, uh, fresh off the boat, seems like, <laughs> in the wrestling business. Slightly different promo style from... Uh, <laughs> Jim Hellwig? Yes. <laughs> he, he's like, he looks like shy. He's literally like holding his hands in front of him, almost like very timid, it seems like. Really not uh, the polished maniac we saw a few years later i was surprised that um he kept it together you know he just had a little bit of a something here and there to say and that was about it very um very odd yeah he's uh i like their letterman's jackets without the letters (laughs) (laughs) how about the beef on these guys though huh oh yeah (laughs) there's like a jump cut right in the middle of the uh they're they're in their yeah they're in their like starter jackets and then all of a sudden boom and now they're both uh shirtless just showing it all off. All the ladies going uh, going wild. Yeah, how, how much uh, pipe were they laying a little later on? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice way to put that. <laughs> I was surprised to see that um, Sting was a little bit taller than Warrior. I didn't think I realized that. Have you ever been on a show with Sting? Like, Maybe it's just because I I've, I've, have seen oh, him in person. Excuse me. It's, it's fucking independent wrestling. Like, if you're out there getting bookings, guys like this get booked. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's Goodness. not dropping names. You're just, hey, this guy's doing an autograph. But he, he, I, he's, he's another one of those guys where, like, when you meet him in person, you're like, wow, he's, he's fucking enormous. Yeah, <laughs> like, big, big boy. How odd is it? Like, no one knows they came from California. No one knows, like, you know, what's going on over there. He asked them what the record is. <laughs> Two losses. Yeah. Wouldn't you just say undefeated? <laughs> Wouldn't you just say you've never been pinned, you've never been beaten, Brian Fury? I mean, if you try to, they're trying to be truthful baby faces. They're not, they're not dirt bags like you, just lying left and right, everybody they come across. There's no internet at this time. No one knows what's going on, how they lost or what happened. Just say, you know. They explained how beaten. they lost. There was tables and chairs involved. There wasn't clean losses. Yeah, 1985, they get, they're going through tables? What the hell's going on over Apparently. there in Cali? <laughs> Unbelievable. Wild Wild West. I mean, we could keep playing this. They have their match. I don't know if I want to see what they're dealing with in 1985 no, in terms of their wrestling you. ability. No, thank you at all. <laughs> so final thoughts on the Freedom Fighters, Brian Malonis. You know, I think these guys got a future in the business. <laughs> I think they both might be able to pull something off. First time I ever looked light eyes on them, I knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you saw this like then, would you think like these guys would be what they turned out to be, Brian Fury? No, certainly not. I'm, by look alone, like if you just saw them, yes. But by, I, I mean, I, I didn't see any early matches of theirs. But I'm, I'm guessing not by their matches, and certainly not by their promos. But if I, you just showed me like an eight by ten of these guys, I'd be like, title, yeah, Give <laughs> the strap, contract, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. In that day and age, everybody, I mean, everybody was big, but these two guys looked really big. They just weren't showing any of their charisma yet, either one of them. 
No. So the Freedom Fighters in Memphis, 1985. They went on to do a couple things. You heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right. Long one, guys. But thank you for being here. And uh, we got through it. We'll be back here next Monday for episode 183 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, he's Brian Malonis and he's Brian Fury. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. And thanks for nothing.